G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Jesus is our Azazel. The goat is leaving the building. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. We'll continue, Where is Your Head? Pastor Jeff is prompting us to think about what is important in our relationship with Jesus, that He was the ultimate sacrifice for our wrongdoing. You have to come to Christ through a low door and you have to kneel before the cross so that Christ can become your Azazel and He will transfer all your guilt onto His head. He will separate your sins as far as the East is from the West and God will remember your sins no more. This is Today with Jeff Vines. When Aaron has finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites. How long did that take? 210,000 people. How long did that take? All their sins. What if we brought a goat, just what if we brought a goat up and I just had to confess your sins? I'd take the rest of the service, wouldn't it? Probably into next week, maybe next year. I'm trying to get you to see this is a pretty serious event here that didn't last just for a few minutes. And put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for the task. The goat will carry on itself all their sins to a remote place and the man shall release it into the wilderness. And it was done as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, do I have you still? It's where it gets good. The man appointed to take the goat out was a Gentile. Why? Well, if you're a Jew and you're marching this goat out and all the sins of all 210,000 people on the head of this goat, that's not a goat you want to be anywhere near. So you hire a Gentile, just in case God changes his mind. And the Gentile walks him out. And the people truly did take this seriously. They really believed God at his word. They, really, they truly believed that since God said all the sins will be transferred on this scapegoat, they truly believed when the goat left. Take him away. Take him away. Take, uh, 2017 was the past. Whatever they'd done, been forgiven. They had a new, fresh start. And remember, they were called feast, mikras, which means they not only talked about what happened in the past, now they're foreshadowing something that is to happen in the future. So I think, the, I think we dealt with some similar text a few years ago, and the phrase that I used was, the goat has left the building. The goat has left the building. You can imagine how this is. The goat has left the building. I'm clean. I'm good with God no matter what I've done. It's all over. The scapegoat. Now here's what's fascinating. There are references to what I'm about to tell you in the Talmud and the Mishnah. Uh, these are ancient Jewish commentaries that describe the Hebrew practices and feasts. So if you know anything about the difference between Judaism and Christianity, you know these aren't bent toward Christianity. They're just history. In the Mishnah and the Talmud, they describe to us the celebrations of the people of Israel 
And this red cord that was placed on the head of the goat that would leave a red ring, symbolic of the guilt and the sins of the people, the giving of a life, blood. In the Mishnah and the Talmud, we're told that every time they had participated for hundreds and hundreds of years in Yom Kippur, that they would tie that red cord to the altar and over a period of the next 10 days, that red cord would turn white. Isaiah 1.18, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are like red as crimson, they shall be like wool. So every time you walked by the tabernacle and saw that cord, you were reminded, though your sins were scarlet, they shall be white as snow. It was like God put on a big giant display at the first of every new year to tell his people, this is where your head should be. Forget about all your mistakes last year. Forget it. They're gone. They're forgiven. Every sin you committed, every bad thought you had, every stupid thing you did, every person that you gave the high sign to on the 210. (laughs) Yes, I'm a holy God that takes sin seriously. Yes, I do punish the evildoer. Yes, you should fear me. I am God, but I'm also a God who loves you so much. I'll do for you what you could never do for yourself. Psalm 103, as the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear. That word means respect him. Now, stay with me. It's it's getting more fun. Hundreds and hundreds of years of this feast, the Mikra, hundreds and hundreds of years, was a foreshadowing for something else. Now I'll take you to John chapter 18 in the New Testament. When Jesus is before Pilate, Pilate says, what should I do with him? Then Pilate took Jesus, verse 19, and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. Now, if you have a crown of thorns on your head, you're going to have a circle around your head that is what color? Red. You're going to have a red ring around your head. Now, remember what we said. What were the people screaming as the scapegoat went out of the city? Take him away. Take him away. Take him away. Okay, look at John 18, verse 14. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to Jews, but they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Jesus is our Azazel. The goat is leaving the building. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's keep going. He was led outside the city to Golgotha, which is kind of in the wilderness. But who led him out to be crucified? The Jews? No, Romans, Gentiles, they're leading him out. Who cheered? Who cheered? The Jews. Take him away. Take him away. Take him away. The goat is leaving the building, and all who call on his name shall be saved. Isaiah 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Stay with me. Let's keep going. The red cord turns white after the day of atonement. The scapegoat has been sent outside the city. Again, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Now, the Mishnah. This is a Jewish source from the first century. We're talking about history here, not legend or fable. And it's not a Christian source. It's a Jewish source. These were works that were collected and written by rabbis who basically rejected Jesus as a Messiah. But the Mishnah records... That 40 years before the destruction of the temple, the cord stopped changing white and stayed red. You with me? Okay. Yom Kippur, scapegoat goes out, 
the red ring around his head, the cord is ten taken, then taken, put on the altar, tied to the altar, and over the period of 10 days, it turns white to show you that though your sins be as scarlet, now they should be white as snow. But after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of that, hundreds of years, 40 years before the destruction of the temple, it, it stopped changing white. Now, if Titus destroyed the temple in AD 70, 40 years before that would be 30 AD. What happened in 30 AD? Jesus started his public ministry. Which means that the cord stopped turning white because somewhere around the common year of 30 AD, the sacrificial system became ineffective. You didn't need to kill a goat anymore. That's why Hebrews 10 says, day after day, Every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But when this priest had offered, this is Jesus, for all time, one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, for by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. <laughs> Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Listen to me. No matter what you did last year, the goat has left the building. And if you think that your sin is so great that God can't forgive, then that's a greater sin. Because you're saying the blood of Jesus is not powerful enough to cover whatever you did. I don't care if you just got out of prison. I don't care. I mean, I do care. I do care. <laughs> but nothing is so powerful that the Lamb of God can't take away your sin. That's why Paul says in Romans 8, 1, therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 5, 1, therefore since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Pastor Jeff's message is, where is your head? Are we focused on what Christ's sacrifice really means? Let's continue. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me finish by telling you what that means. And I need your undivided attention here, okay? That means that the guilt that you have in your life over whatever it is, you're going to deal with it one of four ways, but only one way is going to do any good. And this is what we're seeing in our country, in our culture. The first thing you can do is you can expel guilt that you feel by irreverence. You can convince yourself that there's no such thing as real right and wrong and it's really left up to every individual. The problem is that's going to make your life unlivable because you're going to run across somebody's path that disagrees on your morality and they're going to offend you. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to invoke this word ought and you're going to say to them, hey, you ought not to have slapped me. You ought not to have stolen my car. And they're going to look at you and they're going to say, well, that's your morality. My morality says it's okay. If I need it, I take it. What are you going to do? See, down deep inside, you know that right and wrong is not left up to the individual. That's the breakdown of logic, culture, and society. There's got to be an objective moral law. But a lot of people deal with their guilt by saying, well, you know what? Uh, there's really no right or wrong in this world. It's all about the survival of the fittest. You go out and tell yourself, but I guarantee one day you'll invoke a moral law to try to get justice. The second thing, you can smother your guilt by pride. You can basically say, you know what? I hear you, Pastor, but I'm really not that bad. I don't really have a lot of sins to go on the head of the goat. Pride is a killer. When Samuel first approached King Saul in the Old Testament to be the king, 
I want you to listen to the words in 1 Samuel 9, 20 and 21. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line? Samuel saying that to Saul. Saul answered, but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? You hear the humility? I'm the smallest of the small. Why would you talk about me as if I'm worthy to be king? But oh, it didn't take long for that attitude to change. Because one day there are a bunch of cheerleaders out in the road doing a rah, rah, rah. And they're singing a song and they sing these words. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And Saul was furious that David was given more credit than he was. And from that day, the Bible says he tried to kill him. And when Saul is confronted with his unholy attitude, guess what he says? I'm the king. No one tells me how to live. So you can respond to your guilt by saying, you know what? No pastor, no book, no God's going to tell me what to do or how to live. I'm the king of my castle. You can do that, but it will never deal with the guilt that you feel. You can expel it by irreverence. You could smother it with pride. Alexander Pope, great line. Listen carefully. It's a hard one, but Alexander Pope said, of all the things which conspire to blind man's erring judgment and misguide his mind, what the weak head with strongest bias rules is pride, the never failing vice of fools. What does he mean by strongest bias? It's amazing to me how when you set yourself up as God and you get to determine what's right and wrong, how often you always come down on the side of right. You're biased towards your own self-preservation. And in the midst of this stands Jesus' counter perspective when he says in Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the humble, the humble. You can expel your guilt by reverence. You can smother it by pride. Or third, you can deny it by innocence. You can just simply say, I'm not guilty. Malcolm Muggeridge said this, listen carefully. If the complaint is made that in Christianity, heaven is restricted to those who trust in Christ and is therefore limited, I shudder to think of how few will be in heaven if goodness determines the number. You hear what he's saying? People say, well, I don't like you Christians because you're exclusive. So then your next response is this. I think you get into heaven by being good. Mugger said, oh, good luck with that. You think that's going to be more people? The Bible says if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. It doesn't say you just... Isn't it interesting it uses that word? The Bible assumes that down deep inside, we all know we're guilty. You can try to smother it. You can expel it. You can even deny it. But down deep inside, there's only one remedy. And that's the fourth one. Surrender your guilt to God's grace. Just admit that you're a sinner. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Last year, I told you that if somebody came up and gave you for Christmas a Dell Carnegie book and a weight loss book, that would be a gift hard to accept. Because basically what they're saying is that you're fat and obnoxious <laughs> and you need help. Now, it may be a good gift, but if you receive that gift, it means you've got to admit something about yourself, that you're fat and obnoxious. The reason the gospel is so hard to receive is even though it's free and it's a gift, you have to admit you're a sinner. You have to come to Christ through a low door and you have to kneel before the cross so that Christ can become your Azazel. And he will transfer all your guilt onto his head and he will be led outside the city on your behalf and he will go over the cliff into the abyss with your sins. He will separate your sins as far as the east is from the west and God will remember your sins no more. And if you will do that this weekend, I can confidently look at you and say that no matter what you've done or where you've been, 
the goat has left the building. God said, if you want a right attitude for the new year, here it is. Forgive yourself. I have. Through the cross. Now, one last point to make. You know, I struggled with this message because I, I, I wondered if I should stop there. I wanted to. Oh, man, I just wanted to stop there. And say, yeah. I, I just couldn't do it. And here's why. This is the part of the Day of Atonement that's seldom talked about. Remember we read that passage in Psalm 103, 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. The word is respect. So the compassion of God comes to those who respect him. Grace is a beautiful thing. It comes at great cost, not to you, but to God. When I was 16 years old, I committed a great sin. And I was convinced my father was going to kick me out of the house. I couldn't sleep all night. I knew I deserved it. I was guilty. I didn't know where to go from there. I got up the next morning. I confessed to my father in tears what I had done, thinking my dad was going to boot me out. Instead, he moved over, put his arm around me, and gave me grace and mercy and forgiveness and said, I'll go with you through this whole ordeal, and we will, we will settle the matter. Now, let me ask you a question, and I pray God open your eyes here. What if I had gotten up the next morning and sat down beside my dad with a cavalier attitude and said to my dad, hey, you know, dad, I did this great thing. Sorry, man, for, you know, sorry, I'm ex- because he's a dad of grace, so he's going to, you know. I'm going to say, dad, sorry, but there's no real sorrow in me. There's no real weeping over my sin. It's almost like I've got this get-out-of-trouble-free card that I just throw at my dad. So I'm not, I'm not weeping. I'm not sad. I'm not even nervous. I'm just saying, well, yeah, you know, I'm in the flesh. I'm a sinner. You know, you give me the grace and I'll just move on with my day. And I'm afraid that those of you who have received this grace treat that grace like I treated my father. That there's no real genuine repentance. There's no real sorrow. There's no real weeping. Look, what we don't talk about on the day of atonement, after the sins went out, there are three things that happened. One, they praised God. It was hard to get them out of the temple. They weren't looking at their watches. Oh, when's the service over? No, they just kept praising, praising, praising. They couldn't shut up because they were so overwhelmed with the grace of God and they were down on their knees weeping. When's the last time you wept over your sin? And then... There was a peace that came upon them of the soul that those who were far from God had come near now. And then, do you know what happened as a last part of the celebration? A commitment to pursue purity. We got another chance. All the sins are gone. 2018, I'm going to pursue God with everything that I have. (laughs) Jesus also said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourn over their sin, for they shall be comforted. But if you come to God with a cavalier attitude and your own system of right and wrong, that's not the person that should expect to receive compassion from God. The church has forgotten about genuine repentance and sorrow. And I pray two things would happen. I pray first there'd be celebration that all your sins last year have been forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. Your Azazel has been led out into the wilderness 
He has separated your sins as far as the east is from the west. They're gone. Forget it. God has. You do it if you've become a Christ follower. But for those of you who have been Christ followers for a long time, I pray that you would stop approaching holiness in your life with such a cavalier attitude. And that this would be a place that would be important to you to gather with God's people, to get yourself in the word and into prayer, to pursue God with everything you have. And yes, at the end of 2018, God will forgive. He has compassion on those who fear him. God help us. God help us get serious in our praise and our gratitude. And God help us get serious and stop making excuses for each other and for your children and for your family members. And this would be the year of both grace and holiness. Grace and the pursuit of holiness to see what God might do in your life. God help us. Father, I pray that we would be overwhelmed with the mercy and the grace that we experience in our lives. But at the same time, we'd be overwhelmed with a father who did something for us at great cost to himself in the giving of his own son. I pray that our approach to praise and worship and holiness and scripture and prayer would, would be one with great intensity and passion. It would be a pursuit like none other knowing that when we fail, we know that there's grace and mercy for those who come to the altar with courage. But Father, help us to know that respect must occur before compassion. That we make the attempt to live the life that you've called us to live because that's the calling on our lives. That you're Holy Spirit has been placed inside us to make us new. We are, we are new people. The old has passed. And so may we be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, a light that's in the darkness, that there would be distinction in this year. My prayer in Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. And that's the end of Where Is Your Head? Can we admit we are sinners and we truly need Christ? Today, may we be focused on His sacrifice as the act that saved us once and for all. You can find more from Pastor Jeff at our website. That's vision.org.au. Just search for Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.